The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the trees and the fog of the Pacific Northwest. And the best stories are told from memory, even if they aren't yours, and those who they belong to have long since misplaced them in a shaded valley of their mind. Those stories are the reason why I must warn you. Listener discretion is advised. flesh stretch and bend, do you understand the vibration of the strings in my throat, plucked by wind? What if I whisper, do you hear it now? Are you listening to me, child? Mildred turned to her mother dramatically, furrowing her brow and staring at her from beneath the strands of long, uncut hair which hung loose, messy, and wet from the rain. There were knots in her fine hair, where the strands had been bald and twisted. Witch knots, her mother had called them. The acknowledgement of who she was, and a gift the crude fingers of the world touching her for a moment to braid her hair, leaving it in knots. And, apparently, that made her special. But Mildred hated them. They hurt, and they pulled and tugged at her scalp when untangled. It was partly why Mildred hated visiting the witch elm grove that her mother called Sanctum. They are the white noise between the words, the raspy afterthought of creation. They are the swirls of dust and air at the back of a falling leaf, pushing it down, down, down into the mud. They are what fill the world when your eyes are closed. They are what, with great power, push the moon and the sun apart so never should those two lovers meet again. They are the web that both life and death cling to. 
They are the long shadows, Mildred. And whether or not you want to, you will serve them. They'd been there before, but each time the words of her mother Edith had rolled off Mildred's back like rain on the wing of a bird. She groaned in discontent. She didn't want to hear the words her mother spoke. What child would want to hear the words of a cold, callous, and unloving mother in a place as dark and as dank as the Witch Elm Grove with a name like Sanctum? Mildred shifted uneasy and pulled at a loose thread in her ragged dress before kicking her feet and clapping them together in an effort to shake away the mud. Mildred's father was hardly a handyman. Her mother was, well, whatever she was. And the shoes on Mildred's feet were the only nice possession she had given to her by Mrs. LaPont, and she hated when there was mud on them. They'd been charity. Mildred knew that. She was young and quiet, but she wasn't simple in the mind. All she had was her mind, and it was sharp. Honed through the hours, days, weeks, and months, she spent traversing the depths of it to escape her own reality. Exploring the valleys and peaks of it, stretching and bending the reality of it. So when Mrs. LaPont had given her the pair of shoes, she knew very well that it was an act of pity. Mildred could see the look of disgust when Mrs. LaPont glanced upon her and her dirty, sweat-streaked cheeks as she ran and jumped and played hide-and-seek with the boys. If that slightly less-than-subtle look of disgust would have been missed the first time by duller children, then not a single child blind and simple, or of sharp mind and sharp eyes would have missed the gasp, as Mrs. LaPont covered her mouth and nose with a handkerchief when she glanced down at the small girl's bare feet caked in dirt and nearly black with filth. The next day, a very well-dressed man arrived at the front door of the Morthy home and presented a beautiful box with crisp, clean edges and an extravagant folded and fluffed bow on top. The man asked for Mildred as her father had been rushing out to do one of his menial tasks around town. Perhaps he had to fish a dead bird from a well that day, or replace broken planks in one of the rough and shoddy docks that lined the river. It didn't matter what he was doing. It mattered very little at any point in Mildred's life. He'd always been too poor and desperate to truly know her, always running out of home to chase a dollar. A dollar to buy some food to feed her or to clothe her. She was only six at the time, but when she'd think back later in life, that was still the only thing she cared about in that particular memory. The box. And that was it. She'd barely think about her father, who was so infrequently around, and it was too poor and too busy to know his daughter. The box was white. That, in and of itself, was such a rarity. It was an unnatural occurrence. White was opulent. White was regal. White was rich and clean and all the things Mildred was not. She was poor. Showers were an afterthought. When they did happen, they happened with a bowl of water and a wet cloth. 
Her fingernails were chipped and lined black with the dirt that lived beneath those translucent shells on her fingers. In fact, if she'd never seen that box, she'd never have known what white truly was. She'd been told the walls of her home were white, but in fact they were stained yellow with age. She'd been told she owned a white dress too, and she thought that it was white. She told all her friends and her teacher how lovely her white dress was as she paraded around in it proudly, but now, with the box being handed to her, she redefined the meaning of the color. To own something as white as that box was divine. It was rich. It was something she'd never have, except for that box. It was so smooth and straight, there wasn't a single crinkle in its corners. The man handing her the parcel looked confused at first, but slowly he began to remember what it was to be so young and poor, parents too busy surviving to teach and enlighten, in a world too dirty and grimy to know what clean was. He urged her to open it by making silly hand gestures. Her eyes were still transfixed on the paper bindings and the bow. She loved that bow as well. Mildred nearly jumped as the well-dressed man at her door leaned forward and thumbed the ribbons that fastened the corners of the box, and the lid popped up ever so slightly, and a warm smell emerged. She closed her eyes and breathed in deeply. It smelled like like some foreign spice being spilt in a bookstore. The smell had a familiar but alien musk to it. It was calming and filled her heart with comfort. Opening her eyes, young Mildred grabbed the lid and pushed the box open with her tiny hands. <gasps> they were beautiful. Shoes. The box was filled with shiny leather shoes, brand new, never worn. They were the deepest, warmest chocolate brown that Mildred had ever seen. There were no scuffs. There were no oily foot imprints inside. The bottoms weren't worn and uneven. She immediately fell in love with them and reached for them, but recoiled as she looked at the man who presented the box to her, doing her best to look sad and timid. She hadn't needed to try and convince him to give her the shoes they were already hers, but, but she was afraid he'd snatch them away. Some cruel prank. She'd never had such nice things before, and it made no sense for her to be given something like this out of the blue. He smiled, and if Mildred wasn't mistaken, she saw a glistening of tears clinging to the bottom lids of his eyes as he nodded and pushed them closer. She grabbed at the shoes both greedily and gently, letting each shoe sit in either hand like artifacts of some long-forgotten utopia. The chocolate brown leather shoes caught the light and they gleamed with the pride of a well-done polish. The toes were rounded and the top was largely open except for a strap that fit over the top of her foot and was held tight by a button on the outside of the shoe that glinted with silver. And when she looked closely, 
Mildred could see an L proudly embossed on the button. That's when she knew that those shoes weren't a gift given because she was beautiful and bright, nor were they given out of love. These were a gift of pitiful charity. From the family up on the hill, as it were. The rich folks in town who presided over the peasants watching them from above. And she didn't care. Not one bit. She'd gotten new shoes. Her first new anything. They were hers, and Mildred would take care of them for as long as she lived. She'd shine them and keep them away from mud and only wear them on Sundays for church or perhaps special occasions as well. And, and, and... Mildred looked down at her shoes as she clapped their scuffed edges together trying to kick away the mud. A year makes all the difference, a world of difference for children. Children grow fast, and gifts, whether given in love or pity, well, both are short-lived. Her toes were now scrunched and crumpled in the ends, cramped and squashed when they had fit so perfectly before. She could feel the nail of her big toe being pressed inwards, and the prolonged pressure began to feel like a steel nail being slowly driven into her bones, but she still loved them and wore them proudly. They were still the prettiest thing she owned. Even though one of the silver buttons embossed with the letter L had been ripped off taking a shortcut through Bramble, or maybe it was when she got her legs stuck between the rocks in the creek, or that tree that she'd fallen out of. Anyways, the leather strap that fit around the button just hung there awkwardly, slapping the top of her foot when she walked but she still loved them. Mildred's hand shot to her cheek, covering the spot where her mother had just slapped her out of nostalgia. She could feel the five-fingered welt growing hot on her cheek. Mildred, 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 are you listening now? Do you hear me now? Nature child. Nature is what we serve. We don't serve people. We serve ourselves and we are a part of nature. People have forgotten that, but not us. Not me. Not you. You. You can never forget that. We are the tiniest pebble in a field of boulders, child. We cast the smallest shadow. But there are so many of us. So many small shadows. So many walking, mindlessly walking, buzzing, praying, gossiping little insects. The shadows were already here when we arrived, and they didn't want us at first. They sought to cast us out, but not all. No, not all of them despise us. 
They were the shadows of the first rocks that knelt hidden beneath waves scuttling ships upon our shore, guarding their world from mankind, from progress. There were others amongst the long shadows who saw our potential, though. They called us here called our ships that the others amongst their esteemed ranks wrecked in shatters within a stone's throw of solid ground. They called us here, Mildred. That's why my sisters and I planted this sanctum, this ring of witch elm, to convene, to communicate, to pay tribute to those long shadows which welcome the black leech women. Strong women who will never forget nature. You are one of us too, Mildred. There is power in a name, and there is none more proud of powerful than the black leech name, Morthy. Disgusting, useless, useless, useless. Mildred looked about as she took in her mother's confused and convoluted words. She sat in the center of a pocket of oddly shaped trees. They weren't like the strong and straight cedars or the thin and purposeful pine. These witch elms were gnarled and arthritic. She didn't like them not one bit. If Mildred had ever been one to observe the world around her more closely instead of living in the fantasies and the desires in her mind, she might have seen it. Seen what was there in plain sight just waiting for those willing to look. All the shadows in the grove pointed inward from each angle, no matter where the sun stood behind the ever-present clouds in the sky, the shadows pointed inward to the large, flat rock that Mildred sat atop, with her mother pontificating nonsense to her. Every shadow of every branch and leaf of every trunk of each tree pointed inward straight at Mildred, who sat still clutching her cheek where her mother had slapped her. But Mildred was never one who was willing to look, never willing to see or hear. Mildred wanted nice things, a nice life, a nice husband, a nice house, and nice children. She wanted clean white sheets and walls. She wanted flowers on the windowsill. She would never give her mother the satisfaction of giving in. She loved her mother, but she wouldn't give her that. Something, something does not belong here, Mildred. Edith Blackleach, a woman as proud as she was insane, unwilling to take the name of a man as useless as she perceived her husband to be, and in fact, as useless as he was. 
She was the mother every woman in the fort snickered and jeered at, gossiping as she walked by, oftentimes barefoot and oddly dressed. Edith walked a handful of steps before bending down and picking up a small acorn that sat awkwardly out of place in the sanctum of the Black Leech sisters. Edith walked to her unwilling daughter and snatched at her wrist, forcing the acorn into her palm. You will find a place to sow this seed in the mud, to sow the seed in the mud, in the wet and welcoming mud. This is my gift to you, the only gift a mother can truly give her daughter. The knowledge that she is powerful enough to shatter the earth with deep roots, lasting generations. You will find your own sanctum, and you will begin to plant your tribute to the Black Shadows. Give them monoliths, give them trees, give them shadows, for shadows are the indents of our mark on the world, and too few extend their will beyond their inky mark on the earth that follows behind them, screaming to be known. Show them you are more that you can spread the shadows, that you can spread the whispers of the long shadows. Edith began to walk away, swaying and limping, weirdly digging her bare toes into freezing mud as she walked. Mildred followed behind her, staring at the acorn in her hand as she stepped around puddles, trying to keep her shoes clean. Her chin scrunched up as she defiantly held back tears. She seethed with anger. She knew her mother wouldn't look back, though, wouldn't look back to see the tears. When her mother Edith had snatched her wrist mere moments ago, that was the closest to a hug she'd received from her mother her entire life, and that acorn she held in her hands was the only gift she'd ever received from her mother. And they weren't like the shoes. She didn't like this. She didn't want the acorn. She felt acutely aware how different and strange her mother was in that moment. And she knew her mother wouldn't look back, so she wouldn't see Mildred throw the acorn deep into the bush in a fit of frustration as she walked home. A man whose skin was untouched by light. A physical manifestation of soot and ash in the night itself stood in the black of the thick forest. As he watched small little Mildred hurl the acorn with all her might. Ah, oh, there it is. Don't worry, Mildred. I'll keep this little present safe until it's time for you to do as Mother says. Today's story was written and narrated by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. 
Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. And introducing Karen Heimdall as the voice of Edith Blackleach. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be. But it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church? Or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die? In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at the town whispers or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. He's already dead.